Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want to prove you're the very best in combat sports, then pretty much the only way to do that is to win a world title. It's kind of what most fighters are working towards, constantly training and trying to improve so they can eventually get their shot at the champion. When the opportunity does come along, you better believe that most people will train harder than they ever have for those six to eight weeks before their title shot. But title shots rarely go as planned. I mean, we've just seen the UFC make an interim heavyweight title fight on three weeks' notice. Plans often change at the last minute, which has led to some pretty ridiculous circumstances around what is supposed to be the biggest opportunity of a fighter's life. Right, guys, before we start the video, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors today. Now, G2A.com is doing a special Halloween sale and they have a discount on loads of scary games. So if you feel like scaring yourself shitless, jump on over to G2A and check out what they've got. The Halloween sale's got some really good prices on AAA games, on PC and on console. It's all under their Nightmare on Hot Deal Street section. There's also a deal of the day, so every 24 hours there's a special deal, but you'll have to get it quick because once it's gone, it'll be gone forever. So if you're looking to play some horror games this spooky season, go check out what they've got available on G2A. If there's a certain game you've been waiting to buy, it's definitely worth just having a look to see if it's on sale now. And if you use their G2A mobile app, you'll get an extra 15% off. All you got to do is scan the QR code that's on the screen right now and use the code GATE15. So you can check out G2A.com or click the link in the description to go straight to those Halloween sales. I'm Bailey and from MMA On Point, let me just say a quick thank you to all our Hall of Famers before we get this video started. We appreciate the support and these are the 10 craziest short notice title fights. Number 10, Tito Ortiz versus Vladimir Matushenko. So the events of this all went down at UFC 33, which on paper was supposed to be headlined by one of the most exciting fights you could make at the time, but would in fact turn out to be possibly the most boring event in UFC history. The original main event was Tito Ortiz versus Vitor Belfort. Now this would have been fantastic, right? Tito was the three-time defending light heavyweight champion, one of the most dominant they'd had, and Vitor had been this UFC prodigy that had just been on a four-fight win streak in Japan and was coming back to the promotion for the first time in three years. But while training, he apparently missed punching a heavy bag and put his arm through a glass window. I just, I, I'm just not even sure to believe this article I just read, but okay. Anyway, rumors swell briefly that it was going to be Frank Shamrock that would step in to replace him and then Kevin Roundelman, which both would have been great fights. But instead, the UFC fell on Vladimir Matushenko, who was basically a complete nobody. And to make things worse, you know, this was also the first event back on pay-per-view, the first event in Vegas, and the first card where every fight absolutely sucked. They had three title fights on the card and they all went the full 25 minutes. By the time Tito and Vladimir were fighting, the broadcast just shut off halfway through. Number 9, Islam Hachev vs Volkanovski 2. 
I think we all massively enjoyed the highly anticipated fight between number one and number two pound for pound. Not only had that never happened before, but it was also two of the longest win streaks at the time in Alexander Volkanovsky and Mahachev going head to head in a fight that had a lot of unknowns. It came down to the wire and it was extremely close to the decision, even split some of the fan base, but the judges gave the fight to Islam and Volk did not get a second belt. Now after this, both men went back to fighting the contenders in their weight class. Alex put on a great performance against Yaya Rodriguez and Islam was booked to rematch against Charles Oliveira but Charles got a nasty cut above his eye and there was no way he was going to be able to make the date. But he also didn't tell the UFC who apparently might have been able to get his cut stitched by a better doctor. So for the first time ever, we had two fighters from different divisions rematch for a title because Alexander Volkanovsky took the fight on just 10 days notice. Considering how close the first fight had been and that the rematch was speculated and highly anticipated, maybe even a target for UFC 300, it was pretty insane to have it suddenly appear on 10 days notice. Also, that's some crazy levels of confidence from the featherweight champion. The result maybe spoke for itself though as Volk admitted after losing in the first round. I never thought I'd struggle with it but I mean like for some reason when I wasn't fighting or, or in camp, fuck sorry, I'll just do my head in. I'll be honest, I wasn't uh, trained as much as I should have but I thought I had to, you know, I had to, I had to do it. I had to take, take it, I thought it would be, um, you know, I'm telling myself it's meant to be. Kind of a lacklustre way to end the rivalry, but those 10 days of anticipation after such a crazy short notice fight were pretty awesome. Number 8, Andre Olovsky versus Justin Eilers. There's a few fighters that have generationally been able to keep themselves relevant and at this point have pretty much fought everyone who has ever competed in their division. I'm definitely pointing to Andre Olovsky as one of those guys. Between his early UFC years, strike force, affliction, world series of fighting, and then back to the UFC, there aren't many legendary heavyweights he hasn't stepped in a ring with. But I bet you probably didn't know he was at one point scheduled to face Mirko Krokop in Japan. That's right, back in 2005 when organizing UFC 53, the president and the boys wanted to take the show to Japan, a place where pride was absolutely dominating at the time. What better way than to have the UFC heavyweight champion take on one of the best heavyweights outside of the UFC, Mirko Krokop. At the time, Mirko had just beaten Mark Coleman, which meant he'd just taken out three former UFC champions in a row. But the event in Japan was ultimately cancelled because of a lack of sponsorships. Or, in other words, the UFC was probably blacklisted by every major sponsor out there considering what Pride were involved in and they had no choice but to move the event location to Atlantic City. And instead of Mirko Krokop, the UFC pulled in Justin Eilers who was knocked out by Andre in the first round. Number 7, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. I think that given John Jones has caused so many cancellations and vibrations across the light heavyweight division, it would be enough to say that it in some parts is cursed. It's had nothing but bad luck for like eight years. Even right up till recently, when after we crowned Yuri Prohaska, it looked like he was going to be a dominant champion, and then he injured his shoulder and we were plunged back into chaos. His rematch with Glover was off, and the UFC needed someone to fill in. They offered the former champ Magomed Ankalaev, but he turned it down, and so the UFC said, sod it. We're going to book Jan Blachowicz and Magomed Ankalaev for the vacant title on three weeks notice. And then the worst case scenario happened. They drew. So they said, well, we still don't have a champion, but you know what we do have? Another pay-per-view coming up next month. It's got Jamal Hill on it. He's a number one contender, right? I've been saying my time. Done. 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 He even asked for a title shot in the aftermath of 282. And remember that guy Glover? Well, you know, he technically was supposed to fight for a title. Let's put him in there again. Screw the two guys that just went to a draw. One of those dudes can be the new champ. It unfortunately, though, didn't work out for Glover and Hill put on a fantastic performance. Now he's injured and at UFC 295, they're fighting for the vacant title again. So please, no draws this time. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby! Number six, Rockhold vs. Bisping 2. 
Over a seven-year period, Luke Rockhold managed to win 13 fights, world titles in Strikeforce and the UFC, and he only lost once, and that was to Vitor Belfort in his debut. After Vitor, he killed the 185 division in the UFC, and along the way, one of the guys he took out was Michael Bisping. It was a really dominant performance, and he tapped him in the second round. Now, it was exactly that kind of streak and those kind of performances that gave Luke Rockhold so much confidence. So that's why when Chris Weidman pulled out of their rematch at UFC 199, and Mike Bisping stepped up on just 17 days' notice, Luke probably didn't think anything of it. He'd beaten the guy pretty easily before, so he was pretty happy to take the rematch. But I think the fact that Mike had also been on the set of Triple X filming for a fake movie instead of a real fight is even more ridiculous. Mike walked in as a massive underdog because he was so easily beaten last time, and then with nothing to lose, knocked out Luke in the first round. Number five, Junior Dos Santos versus Frank Mir. Ever since Frank Mir Hello, my name is Frank Mir. was introduced to the world of MMA, he's been involved in high-profile fights. He's one of a few guys that has had five title shots, if you include the interim ones, but after he was KO'd by Shane Carwin, it wasn't really clear if he'd ever fight for the belt again. But then he knocked out Krokop in his next fight and then beat both the bigs, the country one and the Brazilian. But at the same time, Alistair Overeem had just arrived and this was the fully evolved Uberim version with the 12-fight win streak and upgraded clinch knees. He pulverized Brock Lesnar and that was basically an instant title shot against the champion Junior Dos Santos but just one month out from the card, all hell broke loose, essentially. The Nevada State Athletic Commission announced that Alistair had failed his pre-fight drug test. And that changed things a lot. The entire top four fights on the main card all had to switch opponents. They pulled Frank from his co-main spot against Cain Velasquez and matched him up with Junior Dos Santos in the main event. It was pretty unfortunate that Frank had worked so hard to get back to a shot at the belt and it was coming on short notice. And unfortunately for Mir, he couldn't get it done. Number four, Joe Soto versus TJ Dillashaw. Making a UFC debut on short notice isn't really that uncommon. It's actually kind of a normal way to get into the big show. I mean, Sean Strickland did it, so did Kevin Holland, but it's also absolutely not normal to make your UFC debut against the world champion. Things can get pretty desperate when your main event fight falls apart, but it's completely mental that Joe Soto, someone who was scheduled to make his UFC debut, was instead given a title shot. To be fair to Joe, he'd already been the Bellator bantamweight champion and was the Tachi Palace fights champion, but he was supposed to fight Anthony Burchak on the prelims of 177. TJ was defending his new bantamweight title in a rematch against Hedden Burrell, but on the day of weigh-ins, he reportedly passed out getting out of the bathtub and slipped and hit his head. This is very disappointing and very very embarrassing, not just for you, but for the UFC. So yeah, a guy making his UFC debut fought for a world title. And no, it didn't go particularly well for him. TJ put on a striking masterclass and the fight was finished in the fifth round. Number three, Maurice Smith versus Tank Abbott. Among a sea of serious traditional martial artists and the old crazy Canadian. We have a saying back home that if you're coming on, Come on! There wasn't too much personality on display in the early days of the UFC, so it's understandable that when a guy who came into the cage who looked like he'd stepped off the set of Sons of Anarchy just KO'd a guy in 18 seconds, he got pretty popular. But Tank Abbott was always a brawler and he took his fair share of L's, never winning a UFC tournament despite getting to the finals four times. But he wasn't the guy who was going to fight for the heavyweight championship though. Oh no, that went to Dan Seven. Until about four days out from the event, Dan busted his hand and, well, who else was going to take that fight? Maurice Smith, the champion, had just smashed Mark Coleman apart. On four days' notice, they needed someone crazy. They needed 
tank Albert and he basically walked straight from the bar to the arena he hadn't been training at all and it kind of looked like it as well I mean fair play to the guy he got in there but he got absolutely destroyed in the process but I guess he did get to fight for a UFC title number two John Jones well I mean John's got to have his own entire entry on this list doesn't he to be honest there's been a lot of event changes and short notice title fights that have happened because of well him I mean there's a reason why Dana said he'd never headline a UFC event again let's just start with the fact that Dana White is very much known for not wanting to match make fights on the night and John Jones was offered his first title shot immediately after beating Ryan Bader they were still in the octagon but his teammate Rashad had pulled out on a one month's notice he went in there and destroyed Shogun that was crazy enough but what about 151 when he was supposed to fight Dan Henderson but Dan pulled out with an MCL injury John wouldn't accept a short notice contest the whole event was scrapped but 20 days after that they wanted to rebook John and just try again at UFC 152 Lyoto Machida was booked in but almost immediately had to pull out and that's when Vitor Belfort accepted the fight and stepped in to face the dominant champ. Now Vitor hadn't fought a light heavyweight in the UFC for a number of years, reportedly even had a broken hand. It was a bit of a shit show but another crazy series of events after an entire card got cancelled. Then when John was supposed to fight Anthony Johnson he had his hit and run incident and Daniel Cormier stepped in on three weeks notice under a crazy series of events that saw Bones stripped of the belt. And then there was the rematch with Daniel Cormier that fell apart and Ovin St. Prue jumped in on three weeks notice to fight John. Not too crazy that one though. But even more recently, John has pulled out of the main event against Stipe and all of a sudden, two contenders in Aspinall and Pavlovich are fighting for a short-notice heavyweight interim title. Wherever John has gone, there have been short-notice title fights and, yeah, most of the time it's his fault, to be honest. Number one, Ally Aquinta versus Habib Namagamadoff. I mean, where do you even start with this one? Honestly, probably the craziest week of events in the history of the UFC, and somehow it ended up with Habib facing the number 11-ranked Ally Quinta for the title. First of all, the main event of 223 was supposed to be Tony Habib. The lightweight division had a vacant champ, so that fight was supposed to sort everything out. But boom, April 1st, yeah, April Fool's Day of all days, news breaks, Tony Ferguson has slipped on the cable, the fight's off. <laughs> but no, seriously, Tony was out of the fight again, and so Habib needed a replacement. Now, sure, that's started this whole mess but if you ask me you gotta look at the presence of the goat artem lobov for making the whole situation like 10 times fucking worse habib and artem exchanged words backstage and namagomedov slapped him connor saw this jumped on a plane with the lands and headed for new york i should say allegedly supposedly anyway this is how the story goes meanwhile the ufc have replaced tony with max holloway absolute gangster who stepped in out of nowhere to fill in upper weight class going for a second belt great fight but that's when, on Thursday, Connor arrived and started attacking the fighter bus that had Habib on it, obviously just forgetting about everyone else who was in there. After the smoke had cleared from that, Artem was taken off the card and so were a few other fighters. And then the next day it came out that Max was not being allowed to cut weight anymore by the New York Commission, who, because they were so new, everyone thought was complete bullshit. That's when they started scrambling to find a new opponent for Habib. Pettis was free now because Mike Chiesa was out after the bus attack, but Anthony missed weight. Paul Felder wasn't allowed by the commission because he was unranked, and so they fell upon Al Iaquinta. But they needed to crown a new champion, so on just one day's notice, they went ahead and the two men fought for the belt after one of the most insane news cycles ever. All right, everybody, thank you for watching the video today. I don't know if there were some of those crazy short notice title fights that you didn't know about. Maybe there were, maybe they weren't. You're supposed to get time to train for a title fight. All these poor bastards, they didn't have a bloody chance, did they? Someone else I never give a chance, Luke Taylor, mate. He doesn't have a chance in life, but he did edit the video, so thank you, Luke. Appreciate you, mate. Let's have some uh, following 
for him on social media he probably deserves it he does a lot of good hard work thank you to all you channel champions out there as well there you are you always support the content if you guys want to join them get some cool free benefits all the details are down below you can become a member here as well we always appreciate that and if you enjoyed the video today give us a like and a subscribe if you want to see more have a good day bye bye